that's why roaches can adapt to any type of environment. If we dropped a nuclear bomb on New York City, the roaches would probably be the only ones that survive. And, and you know what? It's not a bad idea. I think so. I'd rather deal with roaches than people anyway. I mean, that's always been my thing. From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. In the Bronx, a livery cab driver. He beat a man to death for attempting to rape his wife in the couple's Morrisania home. Uh, this guy was a Muslim, by the way. Uh, I, I assume his, his name is certainly a, a Muslim-sounding name. It's, it's uh, Mamadou Diallo. That's almost certainly a follower hmm. of Muhammad. And uh, he uh, rushed there uh, to his wife's aid with a tire iron and confronted the attacker who had ripped her clothes off and sexually assaulted assaulted this, this poor woman and, and just started wailing on the guy, beat him to death with a tire iron. I, I don't know. Do, do you think it's right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm not so sure he was supposed to do that. I mean, he's Muslim. He's technically oh, supposed being to, a Muslim? He was being supposed violent? To, he, was supposed to, he was supposed to kill his wife. <laughs> just to beat his wife to death. It just didn't work out that way. <laughs> I think he just found He probably hit the wrong head. He <laughs> was in the elevator uh, was where he caught him. And, and he hit oh, him he caught the, him in the elevator. I had, thought he did it as he was doing the act. I thought he came home as he was doing the act. No, no. Well, you see, uh, he was parking the car outside. And then the, the, she managed to fight him off. Apparently, and, and he was trying to exit the building. Perhaps, and, and all I know is that he has vi- that they have video evidence. According to Chief Detective Robert Boyce, who is the one who gives us these updates, I have video evidence of him striking this individual with a tire iron. All right, inside the elevator directly after the assault. So he, uh, according to Boyce, he uh, this this guy, his, his name is Nash, uh, uh, Earl Nash. Uh, who, who tried to rape this woman. Uh, he pushed in and assaulted her. That is true. However, we do see this individual take a tire iron and hit him over the head several times. We have that on video. So uh, they presented that, or uh, will go before a grand jury, and they're going to decide because he's currently only charged with assault. He's been arrested. That's happened as far as like uh, where to go from there, I guess. That, that'll I, I be decided it. by the grand jury. So he's actually going to be prosecuted for that? Could be facing charges. Well, you're I, not asking me if I feel bad for the guy that raped her. Oh no, I would. That ask guy that. should be dead. I mean, uh, you know. I got no problem with it at yeah. all. I and I think that's what people feel about it is that like it's so rare that you get like just a perfectly executed, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, a little snippet of justice there. You know, like a a, a nice little uh, bit of karma uh, dealt out to somebody who deserved it and. And in a timely manner, you know what I mean? He didn't, there was no court, there was no, I tried to, she wanted it, and I didn't, no, fuck that. You pushed in, you tried to rape her, you didn't, yeah. not even a successful rape. I mean, he successfully rattled, unnerved, disrupted the lives of these people, and, and, and I'm sure that the woman is terrified and won't feel safe at home. She'll never have another normal day in her life. Yeah, I mean, like, she's probably going to have a hard time coming now. Sure. It's going to be difficult for her to achieve orgasm. And her, son, her husband's and, not going to get any sex anymore. That's over. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, not, like, oh, know, yeah. He, and he should get all kinds of sex. Yeah. I, although, you know, be, you know, I bet you after your husband beats a guy to death for you. You should give him a reward, a blowjob, at least something, you know. <laughs> you need to give fuck the guy a guy. treat. She might not be able to fuck again unless he kills another dude. I mean, maybe, maybe that's got to be a, a powerful aphrodisiac. Oh, it's like, you know, when you get hit in the head, you get your memory back sometimes. It might be the same thing. <laughs> Have to kill another guy. She had to be wet, at least. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's... Uh, 
they're very they sound they seem like religious people he had, he had a very relig he had like a, a religious hat on he's been on the cover for, i don't mean to like that's not to now it's it sounds funny to say that he had a religious hat on so he must be <laughs> but but i mean you know he, he he just had a look as if he was a guy who who is an observant muslim you know and, mm -hmm. and cares about these things and uh, there's not I don't think that there is a guy or a woman in New York City who is going to stand up for a guy that like like Earl Nash. He's a career, uh, what they always call a career criminal, anyway. It's and even if he's not, I don't care if it's his first fucking rape and he's half a fucking retard. You know what I mean? It does. There's just you gotta someone like that being eliminated is just never going to be a problem for me. Well, those guys are eliminated one way or the other. If they do go to prison, I'm sure the prison boys with them and pedophiles, they have a field day. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, presumably, that's what I've right. always heard. I have no direct evidence of that, but they I always, don't either. They always but say. <laughs> I've heard through the grapevine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Uncle he says Joey. No. he says it was presented that way before a grand jury. We'll deal with it that way. That's uh, Robert Boy. So we'll keep you updated on that. I, uh, sometimes he's a good guy, but sometimes he's a bad guy. Now, who am I talking about? I'm talking about a guy who lately has been a modified duty guy. And he's pretty soon, most likely, going to be an unemployed ex-cop kind of a guy. Dedicated listeners are familiar with Super Cop Officer Eugene Donnelly, awarded the illustrious Combat Cross, and it was presented in a special ceremony by the mayor. You know how cops love the mayor. Mm. Well, the next day, after he got this cross, he was arrested <laughs> because that night he got <laughs> blind drunk broke into a terrified woman's Bronx apartment, just like this Earl Nash fucker, and uh, beat uh, this uh, woman in the face. And just uh, He talked to her a little bit, he, uh, and he, he told her, sometimes I'm a good guy, sometimes I'm a bad guy. He says, uh, put on a shirt, you know? He says, don't worry, just put on a shirt. And he ended up beating her face in. Did he know her? No, total stranger. He was there in, in the apartment complex in the building, I believe. Uh, it might have been the, a different building, but in the, within the area, and, and he was staying with a friend, and then he, in the middle of the night, got up, and, you know, I, you know how sometimes you get up and, and you take a piss in the closet? You know, if you drink enough, eventually these things no, happen. No, I usually have a Snapple bottle nearby, Pat. <laughs> no, I'm talking when you're sleepwalking. You oh, know? that. When you're so drunk that you mm -hmm. just get up and start doing shit. Mm -hmm. Well... Apparently, his problem is a little more severe. Uh, he says he was sleepwalking. 29-year-old Officer Donnelly charged with DWI after serving, uh, swerving, rather. Is that do weed instead, Pat? <laughs> do weed instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've known cops who waited until their 20 years was up to start smoking weed. And then they smoking start weed. smoking weed. And then they start smoking weed, yeah. Uh. And, of course, they're like, hmm. I, I won't name names here, but the guy. Thank God. The guy says, the weed's gotten much better. <laughs> It's changed I a took lot. took a 20 year hiatus. And, and, and now it's gotten better. Well, uh, yeah, he was swerving on, on Riverside Drive. Uh, he struck several parked uh, vehicles, flipped the car, and then cops found him trapped inside the car, allegedly reeking of booze. Well, this might be the worst cop there is. So did the mayor take his medal away? or <laughs> <laughs> He's still good at He's combat. He's still an, honor, an honoree, huh? Well, I mean, once you get the combat cross, I guess, you have to like... Uh, maybe One thing has nothing to do with the other. Maybe that's what he was going for, the combat. He needed a combat victim, so he just... Well, maybe he just like, uh, yeah. Knocked <laughs> it on like, the door well, and punched in the face. He's very good at combat, you know? So like, you, you get the medal, and then you like start... start to, maybe he goes to your head a little bit. Right. The, the booze goes to his head. Thank God they took those nightsticks away, huh? <laughs> 
Do they not carry the sticks anymore? I haven't seen a, a nightstick in years. Now, they're retractable uh, sticks is what I see now. You know, they have these ones that you just like that. And like it's a, out. an aerial, like an antenna. They exactly. just whack it out. And yeah. So those are those. Throw an electric charge in there or something that like a cattle prod that, you know. That would be a good step. Yeah. You know, they have tasers. Why not cattle prods? It I think, the, so much I think the cattle prod, whip it right out and sting somebody. Yeah. Because, I mean, cattle prods are a powerful instrument. Yeah. And, the, well, you know what they use cattle prods for? Not the cops. They, you know who uses those? These guys who are trying to get uh, uh, Jewish men, Orthodox Jewish men, to sign their divorce decree to give a get. Those guys get cattle prodded. Did they really? Yeah. <laughs> and then they they, uh, they changed their mind real quick. They're yeah. like, you know what? She Give can her go everything. <laughs> she can go on with her life. It's fine. Yeah. I don't want to stand in her way. Right. And I don't want to get fucking shocked by that goddamn thing. Give Apparently. her a new wig and we're gone. <laughs> Dress her up. Serve her on a silver platter. I guess you always wonder, like, if you went into the right job, the right occupation, you were... Uh, it's just, I mean, you, you're an exterminator, uh, right? Was. Was. Um, but, I mean, for so long, you know, that it's like you had to identify with it somewhat. Oh, absolutely. It was part, It was in your blood. I mean, anybody that goes into the pest control business, it's very hard to get out of. Even when you retire, there's something you have to stay into, you know? I still stay into setting up seminars with the uh, New York State Pest Management Association. Of course, I can't be a, a board member anymore because I don't have a company. But oh, okay. But well, uh, the, but when you set up a seminar, what does that entail? Well, that entails you know getting a a, a place uh, to have the seminar, getting the okay. speakers. Uh, but serving what, okay, what kind of speakers would you have? Well, it depends on what kind of seminar you're putting on. If you're putting on rodents, then you would have a guy that uh, <laughs> knows rodents. Uh, if you're doing bed bugs, you would have a bed bug seminar. Sometimes they do a hands-on bed bug seminar where you're actually, uh, we used to do it, they, some of these guys, they do it like in a hotel and they'll rent a, a space and have five or six beds hooked up and then actually teach you how to treat that area. Oh, wow. I bet you hotels were like really, did they feel strange about having you come in and do a bed bug seminar in their hotel? Um, well, it was done in a private room. So they, they I, I thought it was a little strange myself. I certainly wouldn't do it if I was the hotel owner. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, any, that's but I'm just looking for a venue, so I don't care. <laughs> They're chasing that, that uh, the money, you know. The, right. The, yeah, they need that stuff. The funny part was when they first started these seminars, we would go into a kitchen that we always had meetings in, mm-hmm. right? And the place would be running with roaches. And I'm going, we eat here like every month. And you know, like nobody... This is like uh, an amazing thing, you know. That is weird, yeah. Then That's you would go in, and the roaches would be scattered all over the place, and uh, and they they like recognize you, like, "Hey, Larry, what's up?" Yeah. I like, never had that account, but I got to tell you, there was a guy that had it for twenty years, and twenty years the roaches were still there. We kept saying, "Who's servicing this place?" The guy like slowly raises his hand and yeah. he's in the room. Now he was never at the seminars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he missed the seminars. He never knew how to kill the roaches. Yeah, that's what, you had it at a place that he services. Yeah. Oh, that's the best. No wonder he didn't come. He was embarrassed. Exactly. <laughs> he never came. He's professionally ashamed. He should yeah. be. Is it hard to, to get rid of bugs forever? And and is it like one of those things where, like, well, if you cure the problem, then you don't have the return visit anymore? Well, you know, it depends because uh, I feel personally that. Uh, if you have a problem and you get a, pest, a professional pest control company to solve your problem and the guy knows what he's doing, uh, your problems are going to be less. If you're in a restaurant, that's different. You get items coming in every day, going out, transient people coming in and out. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be more of a steady problem. But 
I feel that, you know, if you, now we have this roach gel bait. I mean, years ago we used to spray a residual spray. Yeah. Now you put this bait in and it's, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, there shouldn't be any roach problems anymore no unless they get, uh, they reject the uh, bait oh. you know, for some reason. They get immune to things after a while. Well, That's yeah. why roaches can adapt to any type of environment. If we dropped a nuclear bomb on New York City, the roaches would probably be the only ones that survive. And, and you know what? It's not a bad idea. I think so. <laughs> I'd rather bad. deal with roaches than people anyway. I mean, that's always uh, been my thing. Yeah. I wonder if the roaches feel that way. They do. I wonder if the roaches go, you know what? If they dropped a nuclear bomb, it would just be us. I've seen roaches walking it. on a sink. They turn around and they look like they call us dirty. Look at this house, you know? <laughs> I barely want to infest this yes, place. Yes, I don't even want to be here, right? Let's get the family out of here. Yeah. Yeah, we, we got to move to a, you know, a better neighborhood, a nicer place. <laughs> move on up. You know, neighborhoods don't matter. I, I once did a job in Old Westbury, and it was a very wealthy woman. And she must have had a staff of about 13 people. And I'm saying, okay, I'm going to go here. What does she have? Some ants, some flies maybe, you know, mm -hmm. maybe a bee nest. I don't know. I get there, and her whole kitchen was moved. Wow. And it was like crazy because you never expect that from a, you know, Old Westbury. Mm. Well, uh, they come from someplace. I go, well, moisture and cake, I guess, right? Well, it's not cake. I mean, it's anything Too much cake. sweets, any crumbs, any food products that are on the counter. You know, you should leave your counter free of food mm. food articles, you know, because uh, you don't want them to get in there. Yeah. They'll get in your uh, packaging, and then all of a sudden you open up a loaf of bread. and they. It's funny how it works. You know, I go in my kitchen, and there's nothing to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so i i think that i think we're probably safe you're safe yeah i uh well you know i i to me it's fascinating i could sit and talk about this shit all day mm. i love i love hearing about bugs i just love it it's bed like, bugs are the greatest man they're like that's a that's an interesting insect yeah we used to i used to do a university here in manhattan and uh, we serviced a lot of buildings before they even knew that bed bugs came back into the city Back in the '80s, late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, I, yeah, because and, uh, and I, I, mean, I don't want to interject, but I, I, I didn't know that they were ever here and then gone, and I didn't know that I didn't even know bed bugs were real for probably the first half of my life. Well, you thought it was a fairy tale, like your parents used to say, uh, "Don't let the bed bugs bite." <laughs> exactly. I just thought it was. There like was a reason a silly for that. Rhyme, yeah. There was a reason for that, and there was a reason for don't throw the baby out with the wash or something. Bath that, water, that's yeah. the bath water. Mm -hmm. right. Because the baby was the last one to take a bath. That's a true story. What are you talking about? Years ago, they used to have the bathtub. Mm -hmm. And we looked it up one day. Why did they say that? And uh, they had a bathtub, and the father would come home, and he would be the first to take his bath, and the rest of the family, and the baby was the last. So they said, don't throw the water out, the baby out with the water. Oh, cause, oh I see, because just yeah. traditionally, you would bathe right. the shit-covered baby last. Exactly. <laughs> with more shit. Yeah, cause, yeah. With your shit. Yeah, your, yeah, your, yeah exactly. Uh, My sweaty fucking workman's exactly. balls. And uh, you know the salad dressing from the from the lady. So um, I don't know why salad dressing. Maybe she prepared a salad for dinner. <laughs> but uh, so good night, sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Yeah. So bed bugs will actually bite you. Right. But uh, it's it's not as if you have a choice. No. I mean. And I mean, talk about victim blaming. <laughs> <laughs> you let them because it's real. They'll really bite. Well, you. it was real. My my father used to tell me about bed bugs. They used to actually take the mattresses outside and beat them. You know beat the mattresses my father used to say and they used to take the uh like kerosene 
and put it on the legs of the bed mm-hmm. so yeah. they wouldn't go up the bed and Vaseline, anything slippery. Alcohol to catch them is, is, is a good Alcohol thing will kill them, but it has to be a direct contact. Oh, okay. You now, there's it a spray. Now, there's a spray that they use and they sell. Uh, the only way you keep them away is by, um, you know, the treatment and uh, preventive measures, you know. Check everything. Don't, you know, check people when they come to your house. But what are you going to do? If somebody comes and stays with you, you're going to check his luggage? You know? yeah. Shake him down. I got to patch it down. It's <laughs> not a bad idea. And then, yeah, and even then, you know, it's like they walk in on a pant leg or, you know, somebody's walking. Around. You get them on the subway. You can pick them up on the train. In a cab, subway, and then you movie go, well, theaters. Big E now. You, you, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And because who gives a shit about cleaning a movie theater? You know, they, they, whoever works there is going. Hey, well, you can tell get, when your get, foot gets stuck and you can't get it off the, the ground. <laughs> it's not as bad as it used to be. I mean, when we when I went to the movies in the eighties, nineties, and shit like that, it was really like, man, this is disgusting. Yeah, I, and I'm in, I, I, the only way I would sit on this seat is if I just paid eleven dollars to do it or whatever. Well, those porno movies that you used to go to, Pat, were uh, probably <laughs> <You> know, the <laughs> if only. Yeah, very I, sticky. Do me tell you, I didn't watch. I never saw porn until my twenties. <laughs> Fucking twenties, because uh, there was no internet until you know, oh, right. at the time, and then uh, and you weren't going to get a raincoat and get down to the theater. That right. just wasn't me. Right, and I was married anyway. And, and my wife was one of those people. You know, like we, we watched the first porn we watched was something like Deep Inside Vanessa Del Rio, because somebody had it. You know, like okay, we'll look at that. Ha ha ha. That's what we did, and it was a really a breakthrough for us. <laughs> I saw the stewardesses in 3D. I thought I was going cross-eyed. I never seen a vagina that big in 3D. In 3D. Oh wow! You, you uh, know that that sounds. Kind of almost unbelievable. Yeah, that right? was I was like 18 years old. It was like in the 60s. You know. And they did it in 3D. They did it in 3D. You had to wear the glasses and everything. Now, when you go to... <laughs> and there was a lot of guys with raincoats there. I tell you, no, it's true. People just really show up and jerk off. In the off 60s, they used to walk on a train with those long black raincoats. That has, that's gotten guy, worse over the years, I think. I don't know if you've noticed that. Well, I have. I just started traveling the subways a lot more recently. You know, when I was in the pest control business, we went everywhere by vehicle. But yeah, you had the uh, truck with a bug on the side, right? Uh, no, I never had that. <laughs> I didn't have the bug on the side. They wanted all me, my trucks, to be uh, uncovered vehicles, discreet, discreet. They used to uh, even get annoyed when you walked in with a can, a spray can. One person even asked me to put it in a shopping bag, and uh, I had a friend of mine that made me use a service entrance in Garden City one time. Well, and, I mean, and I got a little. Is he, what, it was his home. It was his home. Well, if his home has a service entrance, <laughs> why can't I use the front then, door? Then I eat dinner at his house. Yeah, <laughs> when you're eating dinner. You come through that. You come through come the guest through the door. Guest you door. are the help. Right. <laughs> no, when I came through the front door, when I was the guest, when I was a service guy, I came through the that, side that's door. That's what I mean. That's I what, never yeah. went back. By the way, <laughs> he's no longer a friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, come on. The guy just was proud of his service entrance. Mm-hmm. He probably had a service elevator. Yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't. He had a dumb waiter. What a fucking, what a poser. Yeah, him and his dumb waiter. They got a dumb waiter at Dangerfields, by the way. And I'm not talking about really? Chario. Uh, <laughs> they got a that thing is as old as as time itself, as old as waiting tables itself. It's probably the original fucking dumb waiter. My grandmother had one in her house, and we used to actually sit in there and go down to the basement. And it used to be a Sunday morning. Thing. I guess that must be. <laughs> 
It's just starting to sound like victim blaming the musical. <laughs> exactly. We willingly got on the dumbwaiter and rode it down to the basement. Administrators at a troubled bedlam crime mess in high school could be fired for covering up allegations that a female student was raped by five football players in a locker room. Uh, this is a, a principal now. He was on the front page of the New York Post yesterday. Not a proud moment at any time as a principal that you're on the front page of the Post. It's not good news. It's like, boy, this guy is such a fucking good principal <laughs> that we're making news with him. Michael Wiltshire, Wiltshire uh, is the uh, high school principal at the Boys and Girls High School is what it's called. It should be called Five Boys and Girl High School <laughs> because it was apparently a five-on-one rape in a locker room. Um, and this guy was publicly praised by the mayor last year, Mayor de Blasio. And, uh, of course, because he's right on track with everything. Yeah, exactly. Did you know there's actually uh, there's actually six boroughs in the in New York? No, I, I only knew of five. Yeah, there's five people living and one big asshole that runs the whole big bagata. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't think I understand your joke. There's six boroughs. Six boroughs. Uh-huh. Borough is a donkey, right? Oh, right. So I was kind of really, I'm sorry, Pat. Oh, that was I a like bad it. joke. I'll take it right <laughs> out of my set. <laughs> You know, I did that joke last night. That I, I got laughs out of that, by the way. <laughs> I didn't say it was a bad joke. I just said I didn't understand it. <laughs> and then when, and it never works to explain a joke. Hardly ever. You know, even, even when you get it, you go, oh, okay, because now it's not a surprise anymore. Right. So I'm going to put that on me. I don't want to hear the joke again. But I will say this about this, that, that joke that I did about Diallo. I'm a Muslim, and I said, you know, yeah, he's... He's Muslim, right? So he he really should have beat his wife to death. And I I did it twice last night. No, I'm sorry. I did it three times last night. I did it first at Dangerfields for a crowd that was there to see that teenager that I was opening for, a kid named Simon Cadell. And Simon Cadell is a very funny 17, 16-year-old kid. He's been doing comedy since he was like a a fetus, you know? I mean, he's Mm. been doing comedy for a number of years. I've seen him around... He's not as a, you know how like when when you have a teenager on a TV show and he starts out and he's like oh cute kid and then you see him in three years you're like Ugh. right right, right. <laughs> well he's you know I, I'm I'm sure his mom still thinks he's cute and uh, you know but but he's now at an age where it's like I, as a grown man I can't really call him cute you know what I mean Cause awkward because he he's yeah he's awkward and gawky and, and 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 he's starting to have political opinions that that are ill informed you know and and uh, and I have but. Uh, I'll, uh, the best example of, of, of the kid, like, do you ever see that show Alice? I'm sure you did. Yes. You remember that? I love that show growing up. I, I mean, I, it was on. It used to be you didn't have to love a TV show. It's, the shit was just on. It was on. <laughs> so, you know, if there's a sitcom here and then there's like some kind of a, a docudrama and, and a new show and they'll think, oh, you know, I'm watching Alice. So I watched Alice. Tommy was her son. Started out kind of a cute kid. Eight years into the series, you know, you're like, okay, Get rid of that fucking dude. You know, move out. In Get my, a life. In my day, it was Leave It to Beaver. Oh, really? And Jerry Mathis. Mathers. Was a, Mathers. Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. Was a cute little kid. I mean, he was kind of awkward looking at that age. He was like yeah. kind of round shoulder. Looked a little like Ed Sullivan. That kind of look. And then, <laughs> I, I've seen and those then he grew up. Oh, gee, Wally. And he got, yeah, he really got worse, but yeah. he still had that gee, Wally kind yeah. of voice. He, he tried to hold know? on to that. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, but there was, uh, gee, Wally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like 16 or something. <laughs> that show was on a while. Oh, yeah. They never did leave it to him. No. Why leave it? You know, 
that's where this kid is at, Simon Cadell. So he, he leave him a beaver. Yeah, that's what he needs. <laughs> if he had a, just a nice beaver in his face for a couple of hours, he'd come out of it and be like, "All right, I, I'm going to calm down now." I think that uh, something about needing sex more than anything you've ever needed, including food, water, or or you know, maternal love for that matter, which is pussy, and then. <laughs> Not being able to get that yet because you're too young and don't know how to fucking, you know. Use it. You, you don't really know it, it, what you're doing. Yeah. Particularly, even as a comedian, I mean, like, you know, this is a kid who could be just like cashing in left and right, but his mom drives him to all his gigs. <laughs> He's 16, Pat. <laughs> it's going to cramp his style a little. I think she should just let him run, just go. But she's too good of a mother to do that. And, uh, but he's a funny kid. He's a funny kid. He attracts a nice audience. The place was... You know, is his material clean? How, how clean is his material? Oh, filthy blue. Oh, he works. Really? Fit. It's like the second coming of Eddie Murphy. I mean, he's... No, of course he's clean. He, his mom's at all his gigs. He's a, he's a very nice kid. He's very funny. I, I, I had the pleasure of opening for him, and I hope I continue to have the pleasure of opening for him because he's going to be a success. He's going to be very popular and big he's already, cool. he's already done a, a year of some sitcom in in uh, canada which we don't get here right like you have to go on the dark web to is get he from new york or yeah he's uh i think somewhere in new york connecticut or he's in the area he might it might be a connecticut did you know that connecticut is not in new york i well, just it, wanted yeah you know, take that out it, 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 <laughs> i thought it was the sixth borough <laughs> I didn't get that joke. <laughs> no, not a joke. Now, Kadell does draw a nice audience, and so I thought, oh, I'll do this joke that I just thought of 10 seconds before. You know what I mean? I was sitting there at the bar reading about this, and I go, well, he's a Muslim. He should have beat his wife to death. And so I <laughs> I said it, stunned silence. This is the kid, people, you know, they're in the New York room, but they're a lot of them from Connecticut, and they're here to see Simon, and, you know, they really would have liked it if I didn't talk about anything dirty at all, let alone a rape, <laughs> an attempted rape with a guy who got beat to death. They're like, oh, this is awful. So when you say, like, uh, you know, they, they didn't take it well. Uh, it was it was worse than stunned silence. It was a gasp. And I thought, all right, uh, that's just a little take on their <laughs> religion, you know. It's, I'm just mocking uh, my religion. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, all I'm doing is mocking a religion through the lens of a violent murder and attempted rape. What is the problem here? It's the truth. It was local. Exactly. And that's always been my defense with everything that we talk about. It's the truth. And, and say, I'll tell you something. Nothing gets you in more trouble than, than the truth. I did this joke a second time. Speaking of Long Island, live from the morgue is a show that comes on out there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's an internet uh, radio show, which is a little different from this for some reason. I think there's a live streaming aspect or something that makes it internet radio. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but when you do it that way, and, and I'm not sure that it's archived, so therefore there's some difference. I don't know. So right. anyway, I was on the show, and I did that joke about the guy you know beating the woman to death. He should have beat his wife to death. And, and this guy who does the show, Steve and his wife, fucking broke out. They loved it. So I think Long Island safe to do that joke but i thought maybe i just told it better that time that's the arrogance i had is that like oh you know what i must have i didn't hit the delivery right and with kate l's crowd there and then i killed it with that so i did it on the radio show and got a big laugh and then i went down to uh greenwich village i'm like confident now I'm like, okay but the thing that comes along with a room being like you know uh filled with young people isn't it's fucking filled with young people now i believe the kids of the future 
but thank God I'm going to be dead by then. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I do the joke, and there's a guy there uh, from, I don't know, Pakistan or something. Or originally, I don't know where he came from. He's sitting there with his wife. And man, he's that's uh, get off the stage, <laughs> get off the that's the cup. You're a very bad yeah, man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He's just telling me that that I'm how wrong I am. It's like that's not that you t- that's you don't know what you're talking about. You you don't know anything. And I'm like, well, uh, tell me what's factually wrong with that joke. And he's like, oh well, <laughs> I guess it's just a. Uh, Okay, how about this? This is what he should have done. He shouldn't have beaten his wife to death. He should have taken her down to the town center with the elders, and they could have stoned her to death. How about that? Put her on a pillory. Yeah. Hand her a falafel and put her on a pillory. (laughs) And that somehow brought the guy back, and he was on my team. I was like, look, hey, sir, I hate women as much as you do, okay? (laughs) Look, I would, if it wasn't for all the five times of prayer and all that stuff, I would convert. I'd love to be a Muslim just for the misogyny. So we're on the same team, you know, the other day. And uh, then I lost all the women, but it's like I'm less scared of them. And, but this guy had a, a woman with him, and I, I, he was putting on a show. He, you know what it was? He was drunk, just like anybody else. Uh, drunk, and then you're going to start talking shit. That's what you love, drunk audiences. Oh, aren't they the best? Yeah, I just love them. You love, you love a drunk audience. You also love, you also love a twisted educator, because they are society's sorest for uncle. And the administrators, when they... Uh, make mistakes it's it's equally as bad now an internal department of education investigation concluded last week that this principal michael wiltshire uh he is and his assistant uh, principals two of them failed to report an alleged gang rape after meeting with the girl and her mom so if they met with the girl and the mom and they go we don't want to report it which must have been what happened were they in on it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but yeah not only did she want it her mother wanted it <laughs> well they also failed to report this other thing some suspected theft and use of a department of education credit card by students apparently uh there's protocols in place for reporting crimes which occur in schools and they weren't followed so uh it's it's hard to say what, what what is the take on that when when if, the, if if you talk to the student and you talk to the mother and they go we really don't want to you know pursue charges because it's gonna you know maybe they don't want what, this give discussion. the bad school to give the school a bad reputation I mean give the girl a bad reputation you know I mean like uh, perhaps the, they would just publicize the whole thing in a way that they didn't want and. I mean, look, my so take what happens, on it is... So they just sweep this under the rug? Because I don't go with that. I don't think... I would have a problem with that. Uh, what? Well, if I was my daughter, I would never let it be swept under the rug. However, if if there was any willingness there at all to have sex with one of them or two of them, or maybe it didn't become a rape until the very last guy, you know what I mean? And she's like, no, not him. <laughs> But it's like kind of too late, you know, or whatever. And she doesn't really, you know, if she fucked four guys willingly and the fifth guy was a rape. It's still a rape. It's a rape. Absolutely. And now she's going to the whole situation becomes like a different thing. So it's I can understand why if uh, if there was again like women don't like to come forward with rape, legitimate rape, any sort of rape a lot of times. Well, because they get put through the ring. Because and I they understand get put, that. Man. And then I think that might have been the case with her. She just, uh, even if, 
there was zero willingness, it would have taken a lot of you know courage. A lot out of her. And yeah. Maybe she didn't want to do that, and maybe maybe the mother was discouraging her from from moving forward when she should have. After meeting with the woman and the and the girl, the mother and the daughter, they did, whatever decision was made, there must have been a reason for that. And I bet you that it wasn't the school going like, well, we're going to cover this up. Although I'm sure they were more than happy to cover it up. And uh, it could have been that they were just honoring the wishes of of the uh, fucking uh, family. And it was the way they got, the way they found out about it, uh, by the way, it was an anonymous tip is what happened. It was uh, somebody made a phone call to this, I guess, the Department of Education, uh, whatever. I mean, I, I could look it up, but who gives a shit? And like uh, the guy was like... Um, he confronted the principal and he played dumb. He's like, "What rape?" <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. By the way, the graduation percentage is 42 percent at this school. Ah, uh, so she probably got a, a free ticket to college, maybe out of this. Maybe something, right? I well, look, I mean, you know, I don't know if I would let that slide. In violent Brooklyn, a 16-year-old babysitter from Guyana murdered, shot to death in her aunt's apartment, and the shooter's motive was not immediately clear. Young uh, Shemel Mercurius. That sounds like a Jewish girl. Yeah. But it wasn't. Uh, with her dying breath, she pronounced the name uh, Tariq, I guess would be the pronunciation. So she knew the shooter? She knew who he was. His name is Tariq Stevens. He's arrested, and he's taken to 67th Precinct Station House, charged with second-degree murder. Stevens was seen on surveillance video, which is now... It's, and by the way... Too gruesome to be viewed in its entirety. However, uh, it's uh, evidence, and the gunman's seen packing a 40 caliber Caltech automatic weapon. That, that would be a semi-automatic weapon, I would, I would assume. Yes. Uh, and uh, in the hallway, they they say automatic. There's a distinction. And a 40 caliber is that's a fucking that's a gun. That's a that's yeah, a cannon. That's a cannon. And he shot her in the chest. Apparently, it was the girl's uh, right. Came right stormed the girl's sixth floor apartment. In violent Brooklyn, on Brooklyn Avenue in East Flatbush. And she was babysitting at the time. The kid was not harmed. It's a three-year-old that she was babysitting for her aunt or something. But the babysitter knew the gunman for about two weeks. I wonder who picked up the uh, babysitting slot while, you know, she was down on the floor. <laughs> the gunman waited for them to come home. <laughs> Make sure that they get a bath. Kid gets a, the babysitter knew the gun about two weeks. They exchanged text messages. It doesn't appear as a romantic relationship. No indication that he was a boyfriend. She was a junior at Edward R. Murrow High School, which might account for the fact that she was able to succinctly report his name. <laughs> uh, just said the name to the cops when they got there. Tariq. It's T-A-A-R-I-Q. That must be Tariq, right? Wow, yeah. I mean, it's not Ta-Riqua. Ta-Riqua. <laughs> Ta-Riqua Stevens. Well, uh, I guess uh, I guess he's locked up now. And uh, we have so much violence towards women. Um, so how about some more? An Upper East Side man, naked and barefoot, hauled off by cops, wearing nothing but a white sheet and bracelets. That's the cuffs. After slashing his ex-girlfriend inside his second-floor apartment, cops were called by the neighbors who heard the woman scream, and he refused to open the door when the police arrived. Here's how he explained the screaming. He said he was watching porn. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, that was a pleasure scream 
from an actress. Silly. Uh, according to a build, building resident, he gave his first he gave his first name only John. Okay, <laughs> this is who they talked to. So when the police came to the door, he said he was watching TV. This is a, a quote from John. He said he was watching the TV and a porno was on, that there wasn't a woman in the apartment. The cops said back, if it's just a video, then open the door. And this went on for 45 minutes. <laughs> That's a very polite kind of a response to a 911 call, isn't it? Yeah. There was a woman screaming, you know, she's uh, maybe dead at this point. What is he doing to her? What did he do to her? Is she bleeding? Is she okay? Come on, let us in. <laughs> the other guy's like, no. Well, uh, cops finally broke in, and they found 29-year-old this guy in the buff. His name is being withheld currently, just like this um, resident's only calling himself by the first name. This is very People don't want to reveal their names. 21-year-old uh, woman is also there suffering from knife wounds. They say suffering. She might have been digging it. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, she told cops that Mr. Naked there whipped her with a stick and slashed her with a kitchen knife. And that is much better. She didn't mind the stick. It was the knife that got to her. <laughs> tell you what. He breaks out that. When he gets that whipping stick out, he has my attention. Well, this is a second week in a row that this has happened, according to resident John. Only last week they took him out butt naked with no towel around him, hmm. he says. It's, uh, I guess they're re- they're refining ex- their naked man uh, exhibitionists. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he paraded out, and the cops confirmed the earlier incident. He was picked up in the same apartment where he had allegedly demanded drugs and sex from a couple. Uh, he wants coke. He wants sex. They go, we don't have any of that. Neither one. What is your deal? Well, this guy apparently is just, you know. Trying to have a good time here. Yeah. Doesn't really know how to work it out. Doesn't make him a bad person. It doesn't make him a bad person, uh, or it may. Uh, he uh, told uh, resident John he'd just been sprung from Rikers. So he just got out of Rikers to do this, uh, you know, between arrests, obviously. That's the appropriate time. Well, he's, he, according to resident John, he's, the neighbors are all tired of his shit. He's brought about five different sketchy people who are possibly homeless into the apartment. Well, it seems like that's an act of kindness. Mm. These homeless people, they, they come in. Why would he expect homeless people to have coke? <laughs> like, and who wants to fuck a homeless couple? Jesus. God. This guy is, he's got the bar too low. In Queens, a 12-year-old was critically injured during an attempt to gain internet notoriety on, on something called YouTube. Are you aware of this? YouTube? Yes, I am. It's a, well, YouTube. It's a, he was an, attempting an internet stunt called the Fire Challenge. And uh, after splashing himself with rubbing alcohol, he set himself on fire. And that's the Fire Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> fire 6,922. <laughs> uh, men, zero. Who put him out? Well, I... Whoever did it did not do it quickly enough because he was severely burned. Uh, and uh, the idea is you're standing in the bathtub. He's standing in the bathtub, and you get the shower turned on, and you get the water on you, and then it puts you out. But, like, uh, you know, sometimes the water pressure is not all that great in every apartment. Depending on what floor you live on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you live on a top floor, you're fucked. You don't do that, sir. Yeah. You, you just it's a, don't do that, young man. You, 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 I've seen I, – I did look at some of these videos – and they are pretty fucking terrifying. I mean, like, it's just 
it's just when you see it, you wow. Oh my god. These videos right here, I'll show it to you. Larry, look at this. This guy here. He's pouring on the uh alcohol fluid, yeah. <laughs> now that guy got away oh, pretty man, quick. Oh man, he went right there. up. Yeah. Now this guy's in the shower. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> that guy had his mom there. What's this? <laughs> his mother just lit him up. This guy looks like he's not a care wow. in the world. Like he's rubbing on deodorant. He's covering himself with lighter fluid. <laughs> look at, look at, <laughs> Why would they think that would feel good? I don't I don't get that. It's really something, isn't it? The phenomenon that we're viewing. <laughs> they've seen the videos. That's why they're doing it. They're aping behavior that they've seen. And 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 they're setting themselves on fire for amusement. For the amusement of others. I mean, there's nothing. They're screaming in pain. <laughs> they're on fire. <laughs> and they're on fire. And they can't get the water to work. <laughs> and they can't get the water on quickly enough. And everyone in the room is also screaming with terror. It's like, but that's what you just saw happen. You know, the only guy who pulled it off was that first guy. That was that guy is the only one who did it halfway cool. And right. even then he was like, fuck. <laughs> he lit himself up. The whole thing went up. And he was right next to a pool. And he jumped into the pool. Now that, but I got to ask you, don't these people prepare? I, I mean, you would think you would have a fire extinguisher like right at your side or ready in your hand that the person that's with you. you know? Yeah, you, you have a qualified professional there. Qual <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have a team standing by. Yeah. And they did see, all seem to have like people that are standing by. Well, they were just standing by. All they do is scream. Burn. And the one guy, yeah, they, what, they, they're lighting them up. You know, like, here we go. Hey, you Johnny's know? on fire. The one guy is just like cracking up. He's like, all right, yeah, rub yourself down good. Now. <laughs> and the guy's up in flames. And uh, you know, I don't even think they did this on that show Jackass, though. And they're a bunch of jackasses. I don't think they did the fire. Dumb shit like Jackass. Right. Jackasses. Yeah. <laughs> Daredevil dumb shit. Like, you know. You know, that's the other thing about Daredevil. Remember Evil Knievel? There was a fucking Daredevil. That was a guy, though. He had no fear. That guy was great. I mean, I know he was stupid, <laughs> but he jumping all over those. He was great. But he was terrific. He was a hero. He was truly a kid, had no. Loved Evil Knievel. Yeah. I, I mean, he must have had fear. He must have. I think certain people just don't have the fear of death. I, I just think that they're, I think it's in them. They just go for the extra. They got to be on the edge, you know? Mm -hmm. Here's what sucked about Evil Knievel, though. You watch Evil Knievel on TV. That It's going to take him exactly 12 seconds to jump whatever he's jumping, you know, or to, or to fail at it and, uh, and, 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 and die in the process or whatever. You know what I mean? But whatever you're tuning in for is like that. It's like a roller coaster or shorter. So, but they would have this huge buildup weighing everything in the wind direction and and he's gonna do this and he's gonna he's standing <laughs> up there with his finger checking the wind yeah <laughs> now you live uh in long island you used to be in brooklyn bushwick which which was and you grew up in the bushwick of the 60s 70s yes can you you between bushwick and evergreen but, uh what was your neighborhood like in those days mm -hmm. uh it was beautiful when i was a kid kid uh up until the age of seven Okay. And then the neighborhood changed. The uh, gang started to form. Um, I was the kid, because I was seven, that would hold the Johnny Pump wrench when they opened the fire hydrant. And we didn't have any spray caps. 
we used a juice can, like a high C juice can. Uh-huh. And you would hold that over the fire hydrant and then get a little bit of a raise and the pressure that would come out. God forbid you let go of that can mm-hmm. and somebody was in front of you, they're going to the hospital. Right? Oh, wow. Oh, they would have a ring in their chest for like years. You know? And you had to hold it the whole time. And you had to hold it, you know. <laughs> and you're holding it against this thing. Picture how the force of that, right? Yeah. Uh, and then they came out with the spray cans. But the guys, the older guys used to give me the, the wrench. So I was seven years old and the cops would come and these guys walk away and they go, who's got the wrench? They want to take the wrench. And I'd be walking down a block with a wrench hanging out of my little shorts and and they'd grab the wrench and they grabbed the wrench well, and then arrest me man. and uh, you know bring me home <laughs> yeah i'm sure it was terrifying though yeah well you knew no i i you didn't know. know that they're planting the wrench wrench yeah, what did i care i was a kid they're gonna arrest a seven-year-old for carrying a wrench well yeah, yeah but i mean yeah that's a that's a great attitude the the, the I, I always feared the cops a lot and I'd, I would have I would have been too much of a pussy to hold, <laughs> to hold the wrench. Did they tell you that? The, hey, yeah, they, they told could, me to hold the wrench. These said, guys were tougher than me. They were older. So oh, they, okay. You held the wrench. So, and so you hold the wrench. But like, you know, like, a, did they tell you, like, look, and if you tell don't tell them who gave you the wrench. Oh, exactly. Yeah, okay. They grilled me. They put me lights and everything. They had lights on me, the cops. They, they really? They sat me in a high chair and <laughs> grilled the shit out of me. Gave you the third degree. <laughs> And you and you didn't talk. So at early, an early never lesson, around, so, that, so never that would happen in the summer. And so you you were you sit around the age of seven and started to kind of there's gangs and, and your your initial memories were were bright and then and then and then everything turned to crap. All the houses started to burn out and these buildings are not the Brooklyn of today. They were burned out blocks. Oh yeah, they were box blocks of burned out buildings and uh, is, it was, they, is that what they call Jewish lightning? Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know if that was, but uh, I think some of them were just abandoned buildings, and they was the landlords just walked away from a lot of these buildings. Tenants wouldn't pay the rent. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even buy a building then. Nobody, you know, it was hard. You would like, you know, pay nothing for these buildings back in the sixties. Wow. And then in the nineties, forget about it. You're paying a million dollars for a six-family house. It's. I don't think the neighborhoods come back. Fully. You know, what I think is what I've seen from the neighborhoods, and I've serviced every neighborhood in, in Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan, the five boroughs, and elsewhere. No kidding. <laughs> You've killed bugs I've in I've killed every bugs from Jersey to the Hamptons, yes. My God, that's amazing. I had to pay a toll. They had to pay a toll to get from Jersey to New York. But Well, you know, they're, they're just like anybody else, man. they got to do their part. Right. But the... Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> You're talking about you were talking about um, the, the the maybe the neighborhood is not completely back. No, and, and I feel like you know my friends' kids tell me, "Hey, Larry, I got an apartment on DeKalb and Myrtle Avenue," and I'm going, "Okay, I fought like hell to get out of there, you know." Mm-hmm. But I have a doorman. Go five or six blocks in either direction and see what you got, you know. Yeah, that's where you go to do the crime, right? I mean, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was about a forty-year turnaround, though. I have to tell you because I lived it. You know, I uh, saw it. Yeah. I have no idea how it happened. I'll give you a story. We went to a party one time at Park Slope, right? Mm. This is probably around 1988, something like that. Uh, 88, what was Park Slope like? Right now, it's Uh, a gorgeous community. The mayor lives there and everything. It was kind of being transitioned at that time, you know, in the early 80s, late 80s, all right? And it was still a nice area. It was a coming up area. All people moving in from California, making it Yupsterville, right? Mm. And uh, we went to a party one night, and uh, the guy lived on the first floor, and he had bars on his window, and he goes, isn't this a great apartment? I just moved in from California. Mm. And I said, you know, I, I live down this. Like, you put bars on your windows, you want to move out. You know, you don't get it. No, oh, this area is great. So they ran out of booze. And uh, somebody said, you know, you want to go to the liquor store? So I said, I'll, I'll take a run, you know. So I was with somebody that wasn't from the neighborhood. 
And I said, uh, you're going to be a little surprised. You're going to go into the liquor store. There's going to be a plexiglass window, and the guy's going to hand you a bottle under the thing. Nah, it can't be. Well, they handed us the bottle. We went back. And as we went back, I saw like 25 car hoods up, including mine. And my battery was gone with the rest of them. I put the hood down. I'll tell it tomorrow. We were, you know, kind of drunk anyway. Yeah. Well, we went to leave. I went to get in the car, and the guy's on the corner who sold me my battery back for twenty five dollars. <laughs> he had the whole row of I batteries. I didn't steal it, but there's a batteries. I see them on the street. I'll get you one if you want. I said you're just conveniently here to get my battery. But anyway, yeah. Wow, twenty five like, bucks. Like, I think I got your exact. Did you have the Delco? Yes, I did. <laughs> well, that's something. Yeah. Well, in violent Brooklyn, it's no fun to stay at the downtown YWCA. Especially when your neighbor stabs you 80 times with a kitchen knife. A crazed lady found a permanent solution to a temporary problem. That's 48-year-old Lisa Millette. Uh, she uh, Plunging in the knife 80 times. 80 in, times? 80 times in the victim's room, uh, which was a huge mess, obviously. Uh, the assailant was 56 years old and not very Christian, if you ask me. Also not very young. They had their mission statement, the YWC, the YWCA, it's so hard to say YWCA, <laughs> of Brooklyn is dedicated to eliminating racism, empowering women, and promoting peace. They would have, I had no idea they had such lofty goals, eliminating yeah. racism, promoting peace, justice, freedom, and dignity for all. It's pretty much the same as Superman. A YWCA <laughs> spokesman said it was the first homicide in the Brooklyn YWCA's 28-year history. With pride, they say that. This is not a place where people go to kill. I wonder if she died right away. 80 stab wounds, that's that's kind of a lot. I mean, I can't imagine. <laughs> she must have hit something she vital. I was going to say, she had to hit an artery or something. I mean, she's like the worst stabber ever. You really? Know? Like, uh, maybe, the, maybe the blade was only like an inch and a half, you know? Yeah, six-inch uh, cooking. Oh, six kitchen. inches, yeah. You would think, yeah, it doesn't take 80. The last 20 were just like cause for fun, right? Yeah. I mean, that's... Like, Did somebody know. really count those? Somebody's got to, right? Yeah, I guess like the one, uh, the coroner, right. They can't just, like, you know, throw her in the garbage. Which right. is what, I mean, that, if I was the coroner... Yeah, 80, 81, who cares? She's dead. <laughs> She's dead. Get rid of that shit. A spokesman, Rolanda Tellisford, she added that the YWCA prided itself on providing safe, affordable housing for our residents. Well... Uh, safe and affordable housing. And you know, in baseball, if you bat 500, you're having an amazing career. You know? <laughs> so they were affordable. The suspect, taken into custody, brought to King County Hospital for a psychiatric evaluation. Apparently, they think maybe there's something wrong something with her. Something wrong, yeah. I didn't, you know, Charges against her pending. Uh, the New York Post spoke to a YWCA resident about this, and her name was Regina Zimmerman, who said the attacker is mentally incapacitated. Well, why are they bothering with the psych evaluation? It's got it right here. Mentally incapacitated. Uh, I guess, yeah, well, your first hint, she lives at the Y. 41-year-old Zimmerman said, I saw her outside sometimes picking up cigarette butts and talking to herself. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever seen anybody picking up cigarette butts who wasn't talking to themselves? No, not at all. They're <laughs> yeah. always talking to themselves. Well, this is good. Yeah, good but they go together, yeah. One thing about passing the YMCA, though, or the YWCA, mm -hmm. you always find milk or butter on their windowsills. I've always noticed there's no refrigeration, so if they're staying there, they can't cook in the rooms. Mm. But if you pass if you pass there, because I saw it several times, you'll have like a milk container sitting on it. 
Oh my god! On a windowsill. That. Yeah, that's really interesting. And as an exterminator, you would take special note of. That. I would take special note of. <laughs> You'd be right? like, because the rats actually climb up the building to get to the milk. It's like, yeah, they're actually holding it in their rat hands. Right. Now you've seen some shit like that. Oh yeah, yeah, you crazy were at, shit at a grocery store one time. I think you told me about this, and this is hard to believe. But explain what happened with these rats. Uh, true story. Um, and you don't have to name the you know. No, chain no, I, if you I don't can't feel do like that. It. But. Um, I think, you know, we went into a supermarket. It was about 2, 3 in the morning. We had to sit on the registers to actually watch where the rodents were okay, coming so from. They hired you because they had a rat problem. They had, originally, they had a major rat problem. Yeah, that, and so uh, and so their way of getting, they would come in at night, and, and what would these rats do? Oh, they would, uh, the store owner was losing like thirteen to $1,400 worth of uh, produce and uh, product a night. The spaghetti, I mean, cookies, the, the the rat infestation was so out of control, it was crazy. There's microwave pizzas and stuff, and well, yeah. So potato that's, chips, that's an, they're big uh, on potato chips. And, <laughs> that's an amazing amount of food. Thirteen hundred dollars. Thirteen hundred dollars. I mean, like, so like I got them down to a thousand. That's the best I could do. <laughs> <laughs> well, these rats would come in at night, and and so you they they're trying to figure. We have no idea what's going on. You're trying to figure out how to fight this problem, so you're. Uh, method of figuring it out was just just wait and like a stakeout really like a cop you have to stake out yeah and that's kind of unnerving because they're running all around you now they come out of the ceilings and, and the way they got into this structure the plumber was such a brilliant guy he wouldn't clear the break so how we used to clear the break i mean you know he used to whack the pipe the sewer line mm. and break the blockage and the blockage would pop out but never seal the sewer line back up rats hanging out in the sewers would come in right off the line. So we found that they were coming in through an open sewer line. Oh, wow. Thousands of them. Didn't they, it's probably because they hired Cousin Jack. Exactly. Down, yeah. It was a Julio job, right? <laughs> okay, so so they come in through this broken sewer line and uh, other ways too. Or an open sewer cap or a broken window or a, a piece of air conditioning uh, hosing that or wiring that comes through the building and there's a gap around it. And so you mentioned that these so rats So you'd have to in. seal off everything. Also you know? through the ceiling. Well, they get up into the ceiling. Oh, okay. That's not their way to get in. They climb in through the no. roof like bank robbers or something. No. Shit. Okay. No. So they're coming in by the hundreds. You're yeah. seeing them. You're sitting there watching this happen. So now what? So now two of them go over to an egg crate and they got an egg out and one of them cradled the egg and the other one dragged them back it was an egg. It was an egg, and they dragged the, they dragged uh, each other back to the nest, and then the other one turned over, and they just rolled it into their little hole, and then they went back and got another one. It was like amazing. <laughs> so one would hold the egg, and then the other one would drag. One the would rest. cradle it, and uh, one would grab him by the tail and just drag him back. <laughs> that yeah. sounds really suspiciously like a Disney uh, cartoon or something. I got to tell you, I've seen circuses down in basements. Uh-huh. We once did a, uh, a building under a, uh, a, a crawl space under a four-building complex. There yeah. was thousands and thousands of rats. And I walk in there, and they're swinging by their tails, catching each other like trapezes. It was, it was amazing. Oh, my God. And as I'm throwing the bait, they're coming closer. <laughs> so what you do is you get four buckets, you throw the bait, and come back three days later, four hey, days the, later. I got to draw the line. <laughs> I, I, I do agree. I do bet you you've seen them fuck, though. You've seen some rat fucking. No, really? A lot of rats fucking. The fact that you're denying it makes me think you probably jerked it while you're. <laughs> <laughs> That's another story. You really I'm got into, into rat it. porn, actually. <laughs> that you probably could find it. My goodness. You can find anything. <laughs> yeah. It, it, when I die, I hope I don't get stabbed any times, but I also hope that. Uh, I, I also. 
I also hope that when I die, I don't die slowly in a home. I think I'd rather get stabbed 80 times than to slowly fade away in a nursing I think home. once would do it, Pat. I mean, yeah. you know, one good stab in the heart, you know, <laughs> yeah. should take you right out. Look, oh. I mean, if you're dealing with somebody who knows what they're doing, then it's right. a whole different deal. Or beating to death with a tire iron, you know. Uh, That's not a bad way to go. I don't think you feel it after the first hit, anyway. And in a way, don't you, isn't it kind of nice if you deserve it? You got to think like, well, you know, I want to be a good person. But yeah, if you kind of got it coming, yeah, <laughs> fuck it. I did, this is what's supposed to happen. Larry, you and your performance stand-up company, you're uh, doing a, oh, oh, your solo show is coming up. I yes. can't wait to see that. About you. That's on the, June 18th. In the, in the pest control biz. Uh, June 18th at the Pit, right? At the Pit Underground on 24th Street. I'm going to be there. I'm sure it's going to be a cool show. And uh, I, can't, I can't wait to hear uh, more stories. From Brooklyn to Bugs. From the front lines <laughs> of pest control. And come back and talk to us again. Thank you, Larry Izzo. Hey, thanks, Thank Pat. you for listening to New York City Crime Report.